You know, uh, the next uh, three messages I'm going to be giving for the rest of this month, I'm going to give it today, Christmas Eve, and uh, on the 26th, right? It's uh, they're titled Up- Upside Down Christmas, uh, The Meaning of Christmas, and The Aftermath of Christmas. And it's, uh, it's really just kind of getting us a, a, a reminder of the mentality we ought to have and the perspective we ought to have as we are engaging in this season, right? And I hope that as Christians, you know, like... Uh, I'm not going to lie, you know, the, the, the presents, the, the, the decoration, those are sweet, those are, they're, they're, they're great, they're part of the whole, you know, system that we have and the whole institution that we have, uh, but I, I also pray that as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, we understand the, the heart and the beauty and the wonders and the, 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 the message of what Christmas is meant to look like, right? and, I, and I hope that you guys open your eyes today to see this, because it's, it's, it comes down to something like this. Let me, let me show you a picture that I... Uh, I found internet uh, last night. I, I woke up and I was like, you know, I'm gonna. And it looks kind of scary. It looks like from a scary movie, but um, it's uh, it's um, it starts with the picture on the left, right? You see two people, a young girl smiling. Um, everyone sees what you want, what you appear to be, right? And then few really know what you are, right? And it's by Machiavelli, the guy who pretended to die or faked his death. And in the back, you know, one guy's holding a flower, the other person's holding an axe, like she's a murderer, right? Um, and, and, and it comes like this. We as people have developed ways of, of viewing people. We have developed patterns and cues uh, to, uh, to, to recognize people as dangerous or safe, to avoid or to embrace as a warning or as an invitation. Right? We develop these patterns and these cues to help us to spare our time right? or to actually embrace or uh, invest our time. We, we, we develop these cues so that we can either build a relationship or avoid relationship. And these cues are part of who we are, and these patterns are who we are. And, and they, 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 they're meant to keep us safe. They're meant to keep us uh, with the right people. They're meant to keep us avoiding those we don't want to talk to. But here, here's the problem that God has with that, is that these patterns becomes habit. And these habit becomes ingrained in part of who you are, right? And the story of Christmas, every year, is meant to break you out of that pattern. It's meant to remind you that as a person, as a follower of Jesus, we are not to be beholden to such a pattern. Yes, those patterns are important day to day, but we always have to be aware, discerning, and clear about the people in whom we meet, because what we're going to read today in this passage I'm going to share with you is how Jesus, how God breaks these patterns, and if we are not attentive to it, we will miss on what God is doing. We will always miss on what God is doing, and we will always miss it because we choose to avoid the people whom our natural inclination or pattern set us up to avoid, right? And I want to share this with you today. Um, in this passage, uh, from Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 38. This is the announcement of Jesus being foretold to Mary. But what you don't realize is that this, this announcement is a parallel announcement that the angel of God, Gabriel, gave to Zechariah, which is the father of John the Baptist. So it's just right, uh, a few passages right before this, okay? So we have a parallel conversation. Hang with me, okay? Because I promise you the oomph is going to be really good. But you got to hang with me this kind of... Um, uh, nerdy stuff for in a second, okay? There's a, par- there's a parallel here from the explanation of Zechariah to Mary. 
And we're going to see this parallel that Luke puts together as he's interviewed both of them, as he's heard their story, and he begins to realize what God was trying to portray, what God's message was trying to give to us. The story of Zechariah, the story of Mary, the, the foretelling of both of their children, and how each of them responded, and where they were at. And we're going to see in that story how God says, Christmas is about you breaking your perspective. You follow? Okay. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, verse 26. I'm going to have to bounce back from Luke chapter 1 to uh, verse 8, but we're going to go back and forth, okay? So you can follow. If you have your Bible, if you have a clear Bible, it would be great just to flip back and forth. If you have it on your phone, flip back and forth too. If uh, my, uh, my lady in back is quick, she can like pop it up for you guys quickly, but we're going to go through this, okay? What we're going to see is a contrast between Zechariah and Mary. Zechariah, again, was the father of John the Baptist. Mary is the mother of Jesus, okay? All right, so let's look at verse 26 to 29 from Mary. So here it is. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. All right? So let me explain this to you about this picture of the angel greeting Mary. Mary was from a town called, uh, uh, from a, a place called Nazareth, a town in Galilee. Okay? Nazareth is kind of like Zizek's California. Right? And you're thinking, where is that? Exactly. Right? It's a, it's a hobo backcountry town. Nobody knows about it. I mean, if, if, if y'all drive to Vegas, you would know what size is. But I'm just, I just threw that name out because it's one of my favorite names, okay? So it's this backward city town, right, in the middle of nowhere. Nobody even really hears about it. No one thinks anything important of it. It's pretty much, and this girl, it's a 15-year-old girl, teenager, right? Nobody. A backward hood girl in a backward town in a backward place. And all of a sudden, a heavenly being, a heavenly host shows up and says to her, you who are highly favored. And she's like, what? Did you get the wrong address? Like, Gabriel, like, talking to me? Right? Again, you have to recognize where she was coming from. Nobody from nowhere, from nowhere. She had no descendants, nothing great about her, nothing important, nothing beautiful, nothing wonderful about her besides the fact she's Nazareth, 15-year-old, backwards girl from a backwards town. You guys follow? Okay? And yet the angel shows up and says, you who are highly favored. Now let's contrast that to what Luke said about Zechariah in verse 8, uh, same chapter. Okay? Zechariah. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving as priest before God. He was chosen by, by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. And then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the straight right side of the altar of the incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. Okay? So let's contrast that. We got Zechariah, a priest, a man of upstanding pedigree within the community. A man who is now doing what? Serving in the temple courts among people, respected, honored, 
right? He's able to go into the courts to burn incense. Only selected few people can do that. He was a man of honor, a man of prestige, a man of pedigree. And he was a man, right? He was not from some backward hotel, Hoboc County area. He was not some nobody. He was a somebody in that area. And yet what happened? What was the greeting that the angel gave to him, right? Homeboy was scared. He said, hey, relax, man, right? He was scared. Mary wasn't scared. Mary was like, whoa, what's going on? And the guy said, you who are highly favored. But to Zechariah, the greeting was, relax, bro, right? I'm here to give you a message. See, if you were to expect, if I was to tell you an angel's going to come and show up, your expectation, your perspective, the way you may be thinking is that the angel should probably show up to somewhere that's highly favorable, highly, a little bit holy, a little bit more distinct, unique, sacred, has some sort of meaning behind it, right? That's where you would expect an angel of God to show up and yet shows up to, to both places, one in the temple, one in some backward town country to a young girl, 15-year-old, nobody, no name. No one important to speak to her. You guys get me the contrast? You get it so far? Right? Now, when he showed up to Mary, verse 30, 33, what is he saying to her here? Okay? Check this out. Again, what, what Luke is doing is he's, he's contrasting their status here. He's, he's showing them the, the difference between the status of Zachariah and the status of Mary. Zachariah is up here, high in pedigree. Mary was nobody down here. And then the announcement that the angel gives to Mary, verse 30, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Right? And so here is this angel coming to give this proclamation to Mary. Again, nobody. And what is this proclamation she gives? It's actually, if you know the Old Testament well, like Mary would because she's an Israelite woman, right? They, the Jew, they knew their Old Testament. It rang a bell. So, hey, I, that sounds familiar. Wasn't that the same proclamation given to King David, right? In 2 Samuel, when God said to David, I will make your name great. I will establish the throne of your kingdom forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before before ever before, your throne will be established forever. So Mary was like, wait, 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 wait. That's the same word you dropped to David. That's the same word that God dropped to David. Why are you dropping it to me? I'm a nobody. I'm from a backward town. I'm a 15-year-old girl. I'm a virgin. I, have, I am an absolute nobody. And what the angel was saying, right, is that everything promised to David, Mary, is now promised to you. Everything that was for David is now promised to you. It's the, fulfilling, it's the fulfillment of this prophecy given to David so many years ago. Now that fulfillment is in you, backwards girl from a backwards town where nobody even knows about. And look at the way they respond here. Okay, Zechariah's response to uh, the... The angel saying that he will have a child, okay? Verse, 30, uh, verse 18. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. 
I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. Okay? So Zechariah's response is a very scholastic, academic, very reasonable response. He said, prove it. Dude, I'm old. My wife is old. We ain't having kids. You're telling me that all of a sudden my wife Elizabeth is going to pop out a son? Prove it to me. Show me how it's going to happen. Prove it. Give me the evidence. And Gabriel was like, bro, I am the evidence. I am, I am the angel of God who stands in the very presence of God. I just showed myself up to you. What other things do you need? You know what? Shut up. I'm not going to talk to you anymore, right? Because you didn't believe me. He wanted proof. He wanted evidence. He doubted what the angel was saying because of his own heart, not believing what can happen, right? Versus Mary. Look at how Mary responds. Her response in verse 34 is this. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin, right? Her response was different. She didn't ask for evidence. She said, well, that's pretty cool, but... Um, I'm a virgin, so how is this going to work, right? So she's not asking for proof. She's doubting. She's, she's asking the question. She's seeking explanation, assuming that it will already happen, okay? So Mary's answer, girl, backwards town, nobody from a backwards home, no lineage, nothing important, ask the question with this hopeful mind. Say, hey, I just want an explanation because I, 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 I believe it's going to happen. Zachariah. Temple of God, priest of God, follower of God, worshiper of God, servant of God. Prove it to me, man. Gabriel is like, okay, you be quiet. Mary, let me tell you what's going to happen. Okay? So what Luke is doing here is he is contrasting both their status and their faith. You guys get me? The faith of the backwards, nobody, that everyone looks around or have a different perspective. She's the type of girl, and you look at she's like, okay, uh, poor girl, not going anywhere. Nobody's going to like you. Avoid. Zachariah, dude, holy dude, go talk to him. You know, he's, he's the man, priest, servant. Embrace, move towards him, respect him, honor him. And yet his answer was faithless. Her answer was faithful. We have two different statuses and two different faith answers here. You would expect this dude to be more faithful, and you would expect this lowly person to be more whatever. But yet, Luke's account is saying, it's not the same. It doesn't work out that way, did it? So look at what the angel said to Mary. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born would be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be barren is, is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. The, the, the imagery that the angel is painting here is this what? It's the Old Testament where God's presence is covering the temple, shielding his people underneath the shadow of his wings. When the, when the angel says the shadow of the Lord will, over, will overshadow you, it will come over you. It will be with you. He is your shield. God is in this presence, right? He is there. And when the presence of God is there, and then he reminds her, 
He reminds us through a story, this is last line. He says, for nothing is impossible with God. You know what that came from? For Mary's mind, we don't know uh, what that came from, or we, we, may not, we might not uh, fully understand it, but for Mary, she knew. Because she remembered this line. You know where this line came from? It came from the story of Abraham and Sarah. Abraham was told by three visiting guests that your wife Sarah will bear a child at the age of 100. What did Sarah do? She laughed. <laughs> Let me tell you why this sounds crazy. Think of your grandma. She ain't 100 yet. Now think of your grandma's 100 bearing a kid. That's like, what? Right? Right, right. You feeling that? Right? And so what the angel is saying, do you know how it's going to happen, Mary? Mary, do you know how this is going to happen? You want an explanation? The explanation is this, for nothing is impossible with God. Uh, what he has done in the past, he will do now. What was promised in the past is promised now. Do you know what Luke's point is this, okay? Luke's point is this. The promise given to David, it won't fail. The promise that was given to Abraham and Sarah, it won't fail. Luke is showing us that the kingdom of God is flipped upside down. The, the, um, it's an upside down Christmas is what I call this message, right? Throughout the book of Luke, if you read it, you're going to see this picture where it is the, the low that gets exalted and it's the high that gets demoted. See, the religious people are invited in, but it's usually, it's usually the poor, the humble, the hungry, the wanting that gets it. The religious, the people who shows up to church, the people who do their daily business, the people who have marked people, evaluated people, those are the ones who usually miss out on what God is doing. Because imagine this, Luke could have written this saying that Gabriel showed up to really high-class people. He, he showed up to Pilate. He showed up to Herod. He showed up to the high priest. He could have written this that um, the angel of God showed up to these really upper echelon people with high status in society. But he didn't do that. You know why? Because what Luke was trying to show us, what God was trying to tell us through Luke is this. Your pattern of how you evaluate people, you need to fix that pattern. You need to fix the way you see people. Because in God's kingdom, there are no nobodies. That's what we say here. In, God's, in this church, we don't believe in lost causes. See, God is saying through Luke that in my kingdom, there are no nobodies. Everything that we think is, everyone, everybody that we think is in, we have to reevaluate whether they really are in. And everyone that we think is out is actually invited in and given position of honor. Right? And I, and I get, let me tell you this. I, I understand why you guys do this. Right? If you work in, in, in industries where you have to deal with people, right? You've learned to read people specifically. Right? They come in, they have a certain cue, they have a certain posture, they have a certain look, they do a certain thing, and you recognize liar, avoid, warning. You have these things to protect, to, to, to show you that's good, right? And it's great. There are great patterns here. And these are things that you kind of um, embrace. But here's the problem with that. Pattern becomes an avenue for bitterness to root in your heart. Because then you begin to say, oh, they're all like that. 
You begin to do a quick value judgment across the board. Oh, they're all like this. I have friends who work in the uh, nursing industry, right? And they tell me, bro, I, I walked in loving people. I walked out, I hate people, right? He, he's not, he, I can't tell you the exact group that he hates, but he's telling me, like, man, they're all the same. I was like, really, all of them, right? He's like, I come in, I, I can read them now. They don't even have to say a single, I can, the moment they walk, how they, how they hold themselves, I know exactly what they want. I know exactly they're lying about it. I said, that's a really negative way of seeing people. I said, but it's the truth. Every single time. I said, that's great. But do you feel like as a believer that if you hold on to that, you're going to end up reading people wrong? He says, no. I'm trying to, like, make sure that these guys are safe and don't get killed. That's great. But here's what Christmas is about. Christmas, every time Christmas comes along, it is to slap you on the face and say, hey, before you let that pattern become a deeply rooted reflex, knee-jerk instinct of your life, stop for a second and remember what my kingdom is about. My kingdom is not about those with pedigree and status. My kingdom is about those who is willing to say, may it be to me as you say. My kingdom is not about value judgment on what you see on the outside. My kingdom is about I take anybody. I take everybody. The one person you don't think that I will use, I will use. The, the, the person that you have placed a specific judgment upon, that's the one I'm going to use. Think about this. Read through the Bible. You see what? God uses a murderer, a drunkard, a fornicator to write God's worship manual. His praise, his psalms, right? Imagine fornicator, adulterer, drunkard up here, worshiping. You know, I'm not so sure about that, right? And yet those are the very exact people God uses. And here's the thing. When you develop the, the, the cues and the patterns of reading people and evaluating people so early, right, just because you feel like I, I need to be able to do this to kind of stay safe, when you begin to do that so quickly, what ends up happening is that you don't give room for the fornicator to find grace. You don't give room for the adulterer to find grace. You don't give room for the drunkard to find grace. All you've done is that you push them outside the very walls and doors that God is trying to pull them into. So here's the thing, guys. It's people like us that has the biggest chance of missing the majesty of what God can do. It's people like us. See, of the two, who are we most like? Are we like Mary or are we more, or like Zachariah? We would probably say Zachariah because why? We show up to church. We give our tithes sometimes, right? We offer our service with leaders. We do our thing. So we, we, we believe that we're, most likely we're kind of like Zachariah. And it's people like Zachariah that has the biggest chance of missing the majesty of what God can do. Sometimes, listen, if we really want to miss out what Jesus is doing anywhere, just think of yourself worthy of it. The fact that the moment you think yourself as worthy of it, you're going to be missing out what he's doing. Because the way God's kingdom works is he doesn't just take those who you evaluate as worthy, as holy, as there to use. He takes Abraham. 
the dude pimped out his wife twice. And he calls him the father of faith. He takes Jacob, the lying, scheming brother, and became head of 12 tribes of a nation. He takes Saul, a murdering Christian, a racist by all accounts, hated non-Jewish people, and became the one dude who spoke the gospel to only non-Jewish people. God does not take those in whom we value as worthy. His kingdom tells us, I take the very people from the backwards town, nobody, and those are the ones I use. You get me? And so here's the thing. In the Christmas season, Christmas is not just meant for presents. It is. Family, it is. But Christmas is meant to be a slap on the face, a jolt to your life, an awake, a shaking of your soul, reminding you, do not miss out on what I am going to do because you naturally have a pattern of reading people negatively. Do not miss on what I have to do in this world because you choose to avoid those in whom I have chosen to elevate. Remember that everyone that comes across your path, everyone that moves within your vicinity and your circle, I have brought you that person to either bless, to love, or you can either reject and avoid. Sometimes we miss the very people that God wants to heal because we read the cues and we evaluated them. Oh, dangerous, ugly, wrong, doesn't belong. And we push them away. Yet all the while, God says, that's who I wanted. That's who I'm calling. Why did you miss them? Oh, it's because you had a heart that was hardened. Hardened by patterns, hardened by habits, hardened by reevaluating people incorrectly. Yes, you guys understand what I'm trying to say? Let me tell you a story, right? I am I'm guilty of this, right? Pastor's confession, I am totally guilty of this, right? I know I preach there is no such thing as lost cause, and I don't, I don't, I don't fully believe, I, I, I fully believe that that, but sometimes when I say it, I, I find a different way to figure out how to not make them a lost cause. So for example, like my grandma, right? She's crazy, right? And so I'm thinking like the only way that she's gonna say find Jesus now Right? Is that I need Jesus? I've been praying, Jesus. I need you to do what I've been hearing testimonies over in Middle Eastern countries that you show up in dreams and you just tell them who you are. I need you to show up in her dream and just tell her that you're Lord and Savior and to burn her statues. That's what I need you to do right now, Lord. Would you do that? Right? I'm just, I'm just praying and begging because I don't know how she's gonna find you ever, ever. Right? She has certain patterns. She has certain cues. It's just total hardened towards you. Right? That's how I've made up my mind. Okay. This past Thursday, came up to pick up my son uh, after work. Came in, there was people in the house, I knew who they were. I walked upstairs, and I saw two people from our church, right? Ladies in our church, sitting with my grandma. And I was like, oh, that's cute. They're going to try to talk to her. Okay, right? So I went upstairs, you know, I got my son, brought him down, right? And, you know, they're, they're talking, they're sharing. And, then, and every time they say a certain thing, I, can, I, I already mentally know what my grandma's going to respond to us. Because I've said it before. So I, I already know the pattern. I know the cues. So the moment they said it, and I was saying, she's going to say this. And bam, she said it. I was like, I told you. 
right? I'm, I'm, so I'm just, I'm just pretending not to listen while I'm, like, washing dishes, like, but I'm listening, right? And, and I'm hearing them, like, saying, like, oh, you know, blah, blah, this. And I'm like, oh, you know, this is how she's going to respond, right? And then, bam, that's how she responded, you know? And towards the end, you're like, oh, let's pray. I was like, good luck, right? So this, I was like, let's pray is my grandma's way of saying, oh, you know, I'm just really tired. Um, she'll give you a, a, a thing in my head. She's going to give you a very sweet excuse why she cannot pray with you. And, you know, and then you're going to feel kind of awkward. And it's okay because that happens. And then you're just going to stand up and leave, right? And so they asked her, let's pray. And, you know, I was pretending to wash dishes. And I heard her. She said, okay. And I turned around. I was like, what the Christmas? Like, what just? And then, you know, they beckoned me. It's like, oh, Pastor Tony, come over. Grandma's going to pray. I'm like, Grandma's going to, what? Right? I walked over. I was like, so I was like, you want to pray, Grandma? She's like, yeah, why not? I'm like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm there and I'm like, do, do you know who you're praying to? She's like, oh, he's like, uncle, like, oh, dude in heaven, like, close enough. You know, <laughs> I'll take it, right? Oh, man. But you know what happened? When I was praying to a whole wave of shame came over my heart. You know what the shame was? It was a shame that that I have allowed for patterns of reading people as a pastor to cloud my ability to see that God can really still do things. That he, not that he still can, but that he is doing things in anybody, in anyone, no matter where they are, no matter what craziness they came from, that God can still do anything I thought to myself, like, how did I, how did I forget that? How did I let myself forget? How did I let my, and I thought, you know, because I was being smart. I, I was trying to, just as, I was being smart, right? Like, there are people you need to invest in, and there are people you need to kind of just take your time to invest in, right? Because the ones that you can invest in, those are, those are the easier cues. The ones that you need to take your time to invest in, they're the harder cues. So you just kind of just push them aside for a little bit. I thought that was the, the logical answer, but the, the answer was, Tony, you, you're dumb. Because what my word should be telling you, backwards girl, 15-year-old virgin from a backwards town where nobody knows about, that's who I'm going to bring the Savior of the world through. Not through some priest in some temple with some elevated position, respected by people. This is who I choose. These are the people I asked for. You would have missed them if you didn't look. So wake up. And that's my prayer for you too. That in Christmas, we don't miss the people whom God has prepared to do great things because we have taught our hearts to value, to evaluate people a certain way based on certain cues. Yeah, I get it. I understand why. If you're an officer, if you're a doctor, if you're in any places that work, there are people that act a certain way that you have to be careful with, of course. But every Christmas, you should always be reminded, yes, that's true, but also this is true, that I can use any of those people, that I can change any of those lives, that I can work through any of that, but you gotta be aware, you gotta be sensitive, and you gotta be understanding, because why? Because my son saw you that way. My son 
saw you that way. And that's why he took the cross. Right? Jesus Christ, the Bible says, for the joy set before him endured the cross. The joy was you. He saw you not as the rebellious, God-hating idolater that you are. He saw you and he said, that's who I'm going to use. Though you are my enemy, I will lift you, I will save you, I will elevate you. You were a lost cause. So if you remember that you were a lost cause, how could you look at somebody else and think of them as a lost cause? I pray that this Christmas season, you turn Christmas upside down. Turn it upside down. Stop giving to those in whom you think deserves it, but start looking with eyes of those who you feel should not deserve it, and those are the ones that your heart should be moving towards to first and foremost. Let's pray.